Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am your host, Eric, aka Sulior. And you may have noticed that the anchor ad is at the top of the show this time, and that is because this is one of the rare instances where there is somebody else on the show who is not voiced by me. We have Lotus of Doom on the show. How's it going? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining me. So today we are going to be talking about Hermaeus Mora, and there's a reason why I brought uh, Lotus of Doom on the show today. That is because he is a really big fan of Herma Mora. Uh, yeah, I tend to, I notice, be on all the Hermaeus Mora cast <laughs> just because I'm so outspoken about him basically being the my favorite Daedric Prince. Yeah, yeah. I, I happened to listen to the episode of uh, the Elder Scrolls lore cast that you were on. I think that was how I first heard about you, to be honest. Yeah, that was, whew, that was... A couple of years Three ago. Three years ago? Yeah. Two years ago? Yeah, that was a while back. So That was when Lorecast was just getting started. I wasn't even yeah. a consistent member on the show yet. Yeah, uh, I don't think it had been, yeah, it had been like a few months after that. Yeah. So, but yeah, we are going to be talking about Hermes Mora today. Uh, before we get to that, we do have some news. So a lot of this, to be honest, is a little dated because, of course, this show is uh, bi-weekly. But uh, Jeff Gardner left... Bethesda, and he's been on at least since Oblivion's been around. So yeah, almost sixteen years he's been yeah. in the company, and he he left. So he it's was a long tenure. The lead on the last few games, uh, I think uh, Fallout seventy six, Fallout four. I uh, don't know if he was involved in ESO or not. Uh, I don't think he was on ESO. Well, I mean, since they kind of like share. Yeah, so much knowledge between the studios it it you can never really tell but um yeah i mean he was very influential when it came to 76 obviously um pretty much anytime they have an announcement yeah it's jeff is the one kind of on the main stage explaining what the focus of the event is so this is going to be kind of interesting from a not Elder Scrolls, but Fallout perspective, just going forward, how yeah. our announcements it'll, are going to come across now. It'll be interesting to see what happens now that he's gone. And he, I guess he wanted to make sure that at least Fallout 76 was in a good place before he went yep. away. So, uh, which, yeah, we've got quite a bit coming up with Fallout 76 here pretty soon. The new scoreboard starts here in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then we've got aliens coming. We've got private worlds, I think, are... Private Worlds is a part of this next update, I believe. I believe so, and too. Yeah, it's coming right around the corner. There's a Halloween event that's going to be coming up. Um, and then not to mention the pit next year. So there's a lot that's going to yep. be going on. So where it goes from there, we kind of talked about uh, what we thought, you know, Fallout 76 was like what was going to happen with it on tapes from the waste here. Like whether or not it's just going to wrap up or what. I don't Neither one of us really thought it did. Or it will. So, but yeah, best of luck to Jeff Gardner. Sorry to see you go, but I'm excited to see what he does in the future. Yeah, so. hopefully something new and big for him on the horizon, especially since, like, it's got to be something important or something he's passionate about to leave after, like you said, he's been there for so long. Since it's got to be something big to it. pull him away. Yeah, exactly. So. so I don't think he was involved in Marwin, but he definitely was involved with Oblivion. Yeah, it was like right after. So, 
All right, so next up I got another article. It's kind of random, but I guess there are some uh, Cyberpunk 77, 2077 modders that actually became uh, game devs with CD Projekt Red, so I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know if you play uh, Cyberpunk at all. I do. I have not. Uh, several of my friends do, and I've seen some of it. Um, but one of the things that I love from that perspective of that is I love when really good modders are kind of embraced by the games that they're modding because it shouldn't be a thing that they are trying to avoid as a company. I mean, no. Bethesda, again, does a ton with that. Exactly. Especially, yeah, kind of yeah with, you know, Sky Oblivion, Skywind, all these things. It's like they share the source code to help them on their projects. It's like I love that stuff. So when they hire people from the modding community that's so cool that well, they they do that some of the things that people did with mods for oblivion actually became game mechanics for skyrim which mm-hmm. i thought was really cool and who i mean i know there are did you ever play um the forgotten city mod no but i know what that mod is i i haven't played it though that actually became like the people who made that actually made a whole game out of that mod i oh, talked really? about that recently on the show yeah it's actually its own game but they changed it from tamriel to the roman empire like ancient rome okay um but yeah i mean i, I would imagine that bethesda would do things like that. i mean they had they really strongly promote mods i mean they have you know monthly articles about mods they think are really cool so yeah you know, good for those people hopefully they'll get more of the cyberpunk bugs out and although they have done a really good job at stamping i've heard it's so yeah i've heard that that game i mean it's no secret that it kind of launched a bit on fire but i mean (laughs) that's really not even out of the wheelhouse of you know the game we'll be talking about as well as 76 and a lot of bethesda products where it's like okay this launched kind of on fire but then you give it a little time and it's like okay the the weird bits have been ironed out and you've got a really good base product. It's just sometimes it's like, okay, needs a little bit of buffing to make this shiny. I mean, I finished the game months ago, probably back in like January, but yep. and I did encounter a couple of bugs, but it was nothing that a that reload didn't stamp out. Um, I think the funniest one was I summoned my motorcycle and it came up on its front tire, you know, pointed straight up in the air. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, uh, Maybe if I get on it, it'll, you know, right itself. And no, I was stuck. Um, yeah. That, and then I did uh, the part where you have a romantic scene with Pan Am. Okay. And I exited the tank completely naked. And Great. In front of the rest of the nomads. And, Perfect. Uh, I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, so I put my clothes back on quickly, and the scanning function didn't work. So I had to reload. I had to actually like quit the game and reload. But those weren't like game breaking bugs. I know some people yeah. encountered some game breaking bugs, and that stuff will definitely be frustrating. Um, I, I mean, I, I, it's not a. I mean, QA is a rough thing to do. Yeah. I've done QA before in the past, like back years and years ago, and it's. I mean, sometimes you know the bugs are there. And there just literally isn't enough time to get them squashed before your deadline. So it's like always 
what can we prioritize to make the game work? Because funny bugs in and of themselves can be memeable and funny. It's, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You just don't want the game to break. Like, as long as you can get it stable enough that it's like, well, yeah, it works. But then sometimes you you know you get flying well, mammoths or something, and it doesn't and, help in the community. It keeps harassing them to release the game. Like, well, there's a reason yes. why we keep delaying the game over and over again. Correct. It's it is a double edged sword, which uh, is is rough. A lot of people will, like take all the time you need, but yeah. then once they start taking all the time they need, everybody's like, "Oh God, just release it!" It's, it's like, like, why are you even talking? Okay. Like, sharing you, anything you, about this game when it's not ready and then there are the people who are like why haven't you said anything like we don't even know correct. where elder scrolls 6 is going to take place yet that's <laughs> yes that's the, oh my god the el- amount of elder scrolls 6 messages yep. we get uh, on either tales or Lorecast. the <laughs> the thing about it is it's like you want it to be done right and they they even a couple years ago we got that hilariously short basically screensaver size snippet yep that was it and it was it because every time they had any conference for anything regardless of the game all the chat would just be like elder scroll 6 when elder scroll 6 mm-hmm. when it's like this is a doom conference what does like nothing about elder scrolls is Dude, happening here how so about you give like, us two good a good fallout game unless unlike the last two i'm like the oh, last two were good it, the, the last two are good. It, it, spoiler alert: Fallout Four is my favorite Fallout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I I love that finished game, it for so. the second time recently. I never I didn't play it really until a little over a year ago because my yep. computer didn't play it, and then I got a sure. computer that could, and then I got an Xbox that could. Play. Okay, so yeah, I only finished it for the first time maybe a few months ago, and I've completed it twice because I was doing the Fallout feed round table character yeah which is really a really good experience if you guys um haven't been a part of those they get you to play a game in a different way that you haven't lately and you're like um i you know usually just i don't really pay attention to where i put the skill points but they'll tell you where to put all your skill points and you know what your character who your character is whether male or female or you know if it's an elder scrolls game you know what race you're gonna pick and what all your stats are and then they'll even go as so far as to like who you're gonna romance and things like that so yep just to kind of get you out of your comfort zone which was a really cool experience anyway yeah uh, yeah, go check out the Fallout Feed and Skyrimatic Podcast. So podcasting. Um, <laughs> friends of the show. So yep. um, there's an article I saw recently on um, Bethesda that kind of explains how they developed the dragon language, which um, I thought was really cool. Um, I'm not going to go into details, but all of these uh, links, of course, are going to be posted in the show notes. But if you're curious as to where the dragon language came from, um, yeah, I'll, I'll post the article in the show notes just so you guys can see it. It's a interesting article. And uh, speaking of Skyrim, uh, there's a certain birthday that's coming up with that, and now it's becoming another, you know, an extended running joke about another version of Skyrim coming out, which you guys talked about recently on uh, Tales of Tamriel with the UESP group. 
We we did because what would be a year without another re-release <laughs> of Skyrim? Um, I don't even know but, how many I've gotten at this point myself. I yeah, I, I have a bunch as well on different platforms and everything. I at least and I mean, three. So, I got it on yeah, PC and then I got it on the Switch and then I've got it on Xbox. Oh oh, I also do have the Alexa app. Oh yeah, no, I have that. A, a very special edition is hysterical. Yes. Like, it's really funny the amount that they put into that. Like, that is an amusing half hour to an hour's worth of just showing somebody. <laughs> it's like, okay, do I want to go through this cave? Yes. Okay, I'm going to attack this thing that I randomly encountered. Do I want to take a, a potion? potion. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but this version, it, it's kind of confusing because I thought that if you had the special edition, you do get the version that has all of the the uh, creation club but i guess that's not the case you just get yes so it's a little weird and the marketing too this is a little strange so if you have the special edition you get survival mode uh which is basically the frostfall mod just sanctioned through the creation club um as well as uh fishing and i'm not entirely sure if there's anything else as well they're just now included in fishing if you i don't know how to feel about that like it, it's cool I, but you can just jump in the you know that, lake or river normally you, you just catch the, sh- the fish yourself right you hands. just grab the fish yeah. like <laughs> but i mean you, you um, can fish in eso which isn't something i normally do because it just takes yeah. up more space and i don't ever get any provisionary writs where somebody wants fish so it's like yeah. It's it's all about that perfect row for skinning them, which yeah, you do get boils down to I guess, there is yeah. Also, also that I was gonna say, I have all the fishing achievements, which I can't even tell you how many <laughs> hundreds of hours that was just like fishing, and it's it's good. It, it's really good if you're in a group just doing something else. Yeah, because then you can just not need to focus on anything. And fishing, oddly enough, is more efficient if you work in a group. Like, it makes the fishing faster, and you okay. get better pulls. So I think it's almost designed in a way that it's like, yeah, no, we just expect you to kind of shoot the shit with each other and also just do this minimal, you know, minimally invasive activity off to the side. Um, but, yeah, if if you want all the other, I want to say it was like 52 other creation club things that are being put in. That's what I, was I, I don't about know, the most was just yeah, all it's that a creation lot. club content. And... Um, that is the paid thing. Hopefully, you, it won't be super expensive, like maybe five, ten bucks for the upgrade. If you already have I'm the special ki- edition, that would be nice. To be fair, I'm really not too sure. This one didn't strike me as. I mean, I guess if you're one of the nine people on planet Earth who hasn't purchased Skyrim, this is like a gold mine, like because it's just everything plus all this stuff. Yeah, but I can't remember if it, it was, doesn't seem as important otherwise. I, I can't guess, remember if it was to Pylon me. or if it was uh, Tom who said, you know, if you haven't played it, then now would be the time to get it. Absolutely. And yeah. to be fair, and this kind of hints at my gameplay a little bit, that's kind of the case with people in Mass Effect now with the Legendary yep. Edition now. I'd never played it until recently. Granted, I'm not playing a Legendary Edition because I've got Game Pass. But Sure, um, but whatever. Same same yeah. principle. Like, Yeah. Um, I mean, there are... I have seen recently there are people who have said that they have never played Skyrim before and now they're looking to get into it because everybody talks about it. So I'm like, okay, yeah, great. And yeah, it's... 
I do kind of agree with Pylon. I do love playing it on the Switch because not only... I mean, it's vanilla Skyrim, so you don't get any mods, but it did yep. add Amiibo support to where you can get added, you know, pieces from The Legend of Zelda. And they're like the oh, I saw the that outfit and the sword and shield, and they are enchantable. And it's, so it really oh, kind of gives funny. you an edge earlier in early game because they are good pieces of equipment. And yeah. if you already have them, then it'll still give you like food and you know arrows and stuff like that. So yeah, I I don't know. It it's definitely I'm glad it's there uh, for for those who have you know not already done with the series, but yeah. like. One of my favorite quotes is with Todd Howard saying, like, look, <laughs> we'll stop re-releasing Skyrim when people stop buying Skyrim. Clearly people want it or else they would not be buying it. And it's like, I know it's like super memeable, but <laughs> it's one of the things. It's like, you, you, you're not speaking for the majority because the majority keeps buying it. Where's the so, calculator version and the refrigerator version? Yeah, yeah exactly. My TI-94 needs to uh, have a, uh, have a copy of Skyrim at this point. No Amazon Fire version of it. Oh, yeah. That'd you know, at this point, next. give it time. <laughs> yeah, that'll be next. Exactly. So um, the next couple of articles are, uh, I guess there's more information that's been released on Starfield. They talked about different factions and the locations that are going to be available, at least some of them. So um, that's pretty cool. I don't have a next-gen console, so I'm not really going to be taking part in this at the beginning. Um, and then there have been previews with Deathloop, which um, looks does look really cool. I'm excited. It looks Death real creative. Loop, but I guess it's a, a PlayStation exclusive, at least at the beginning. So again, I believe be for get my I believe for a year it's a PlayStation exclusive. Uh, it looks very, very creative. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and, it, it. I mean, what other game do they actually take into account how many times you die? You know, and actually make it a part of this story. Right. It's like it, it looks like one of the things Arcane makes really creative games. Unfortunately, they don't tend to be a lot of, like, my style of game. But at the same time, it's one of those things where I always recognize where it's like, wow, these are really creative. And in a, and in a lot of situations, people complain that they don't see creativity. Yeah. Here's your creativity. Check out Arcane Studios. They so, make creative stuff. They also did, was it Prey, I think? They did Prey yeah. and Dishonored. Dishon yeah, um, and those are both those were their series. Game Pass also if you are... Yep. Uh, uh, Microsoft user. I unfortunately don't have PlayStation, so I won't be able to play Deathloop, but it does seem like a really cool game. So if you do have it, you can actually pre order it now. Um, it's also available on the Bethesda launcher, so if you do have that, um, you can pre order it. Um, the other, the last article that I've got here is saying that it does seem like Elder Scrolls 6 will be an Xbox exclusive, which, honestly, I'm kind of surprised about because I thought that they said that it wasn't going to be. So, the thing is, like, they officially announced that um, for the foreseeable future, Elder Scrolls Online will continue to be supported. That makes sense. Yeah. It's already on there. Starfield, boom, that's... You know, console exclusive. Well, PC and Xbox are console right. together. It's just at this point. <laughs> um, 
I've heard this. It doesn't totally catch me off guard necessarily because they did spend a lot of money on this. I will be curious to see how this plays out in the end. Um, yeah, because that is going to upset a lot of people. But, I mean, it, they it, did it kind would. of like, well, sorry, you know. Sure. My The the two series, or actually the three series that I'm curious about, if they actually will go exclusive, timed exclusive, whatever, um, are Doom, Fallout, and Elder Scrolls Six. Mainly because these sell gangbusters across all consoles. Yeah, Doom definitely, so, I think, gets more hype than Wolfenstein does. But I've always been more definitely. of a Wolfenstein player. Yep. But, I mean, Doom is cool, but it's hard as fuck. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> new one is rough, especially that first expansion, The Old Gods. Holy shit, that last boss fight is brutal. Yeah. Um, but, like, those three series, and, I mean, they've got Quake and other stuff like that. Those three series are kind of known for being cross-gen, but they've always had their friendly a more friendly relationship with microsoft than with sony um but it's a little starfield has no audience set right so making it an exclusive totally i get that drawing audience drawing a, a series from a wider audience down when your previous game is Skyrim, or if you want to consider Elder Scrolls Online, those are massive audiences, which you're going to unintentionally, well, I guess you would be intentionally doing so, if Microsoft does decide to go with the exclusivity route on one of those, they're really not going to be able to talk about sales numbers, because they're going to be worse, because you literally cut off a third of your player base. So, that's the only thing that seems like eh, but they might also want Sony to play nice a little more, which Sony is not prone to doing do. without some arm twisting. <laughs> um, Honestly, I'm so, kind of surprised that Game Pass hasn't extended to Nintendo, considering that they've got their Doom, friends with each other. Yep. You know, um, Microsoft. Yeah, not Microsoft. Well, yes, Microsoft, but uh, Minecraft. Sure, Minecraft. And, th- and that's what I mean. Microsoft has proven... For better or worse, depending upon your perspective, that they are willing to extend past just that. Um, it, Sony will, but only when they're basically forced. <laughs> Microsoft <laughs> seems kind of willing, uh, provided they, you know, have a mutually beneficial relationship, which I get from a business perspective. And yeah, one of the ones which is funny because it's all in the marketing. Um, I don't know if you saw during QuakeCon, they did the Quake remaster um for the original quake game so there's right on that ad it was like xbox and pc and they didn't advertise it's on the playstation because i have it (laughs) like but they're not advertising for it but it's there for you i've never played this is post a few days ago oh really i love quake it's it's goofy fun yeah it's goofy fun um and i I, the, the the medieval ones of quake one and three are, are really cool i like it's a very unique yeah, i was playing setting. the original one because that's yeah. on game pass so i was like a oh, game is cool. rough on harder difficulties i think i have them on the bethesda launcher too because they didn't made they made them free at one yep. point so yeah why well, uh, a couple them. maybe two years ago yeah 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 for sure i just never played it so yeah it it, mm-hmm. it does remind me of like doom and wolfenstein 3d but yeah it is pretty fun so yep but, um, yeah, I guess uh, 
we'll see what happens with that. I honestly, it, it isn't really surprising considering the fact that we don't even really know when Elder Scrolls Six is going to come out. They just said that it's going to be a long wait. I'm like, saying if if we get it before five years from now, I will be shocked. People, I, I think it was when I was on UESP when I made the joke. I was like, yeah, maybe around 2028. 20, and people were like, what? I'm like, that's not so much a joke. No. I was like, <laughs> I was like. Well, I mean, God forbid they want to be known for more than, you know, Fallout and Elder Scrolls because they, yeah, they want to so long. Right. They're stretching their creative talent. So it's like, hey, whatever. We're that's fine. S- I mean, sci-fi is not as much my thing as medieval or well, fantasy right. or current day, but at the same time, I hey, what I'm interested. What Starfield is like, bring it on. Uh, I mean, I'm happy didn't to see what it is. Fallout until you know, was it 2012, 20, you know, something like that. It was, New Vegas was had only been out for like a year or two. This was before Fallout Four came out. But everybody yep. was like, "Have you played Fallout? Have you played Fallout? You're such a fan of Elder Scrolls. Have you played Fallout? No, no, no. Okay, fine." So, uh, yeah, I, I got Fallout New Vegas, and then I quickly picked up 3 also, because I found it at, like, half-price books for 5 bucks or something. Yep. So, and, yeah, now here I am. So, and I've always been a fan of Wolfenstein. I remember playing Wolfenstein 3E back in, like, yeah. the late 90s. It was, like, 97, 98, something like that. My cousin and I would just spend hours at the computer playing Wolfenstein 3D. Yep. And I totally hear that. That game, oh man, I love that. That was like one of the only games I had on computer. I can't remember. Was that. I want to say each level had like a hidden level somewhere inside it. Yeah. And there was one where it was Pac-Man. Where like yes. you were put in Pac-Man. And since the original version, like they've replaced it with something else. Yep. Was, I actually know exactly what you're talking about. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I've got for news. And we've kind of, started talking a little bit about gameplay uh we'll start with you what have you been playing lately um so i have actually been playing um often on eso because that's just kind of my fallback yeah um also been kind of trying to catch up on fallout 76 i play fallout 76 in chunks like i let (laughs) the pvp is not super my thing in that game i'll goof around with it i thought nuclear winter was fun for what it was but it's i don't like battle royale so we had a couple with you on that yeah, so we goofed around with it, and then we was just like, okay, whatever. So when they release story chunks, I love it, because yeah. that's when we jump in and we just blast everything. With the last time I had played prior was when Wastelanders came out. We went through, nuked literally all of Wastelanders. <laughs> and then I let basically an entire year of stuff build up with the Brotherhood stuff so that I could play it, and I'm just about to finish that. So I've been playing that, uh, really enjoying it. And otherwise, I've been playing Torchlight 2, which is a Diablo ripoff. Back I've heard of that. What? I've never really played them, though. It's it's great. It's basically, it's not even a Diablo-like. It's just Diablo. It's made even by some of the devs that used to be at Diablo. And oh, then they wow. switched off okay. and made this. <laughs> um, but it was on sale, so I've been enjoying, the, enjoying that. And uh, there's a game called Chivalry 2 which is actually just as of yesterday come into some controversy with some stuff, which we don't need oh, to get no. into, but, <laughs> um, y- yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the publishers was 
making some choice comments uh, on, on Twitter, which did not go so well. No, you can't um, do that these days. You shouldn't anyway, but especially. Y- yeah, and and it's caused some issues. I was a little more upset at first when I because I don't really like supporting games if I'm morally opposed to the stance of like the company. Yeah, and I was like, ugh, this is not great. But the reason I mentioned controversy, not so much what he said, was just the fact that the they were the publisher. The company themselves is basically now at odds with them. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't support what you just said. So now it's just like, okay, that's these, that's these an are, awkward stance to be in. the person themselves, not the company that they were for. One of Correct. A hundred percent. So, you know, that aside, Chivalry 2, I have a ton of fun with. It's basically Battlefield, like the the Battlefield game, yeah. except instead of a first-person shooter, it is medieval times. So okay. it's swords, shields, uh, war hammers, and Monty Python's Search for the Holy Real comical levels of violence. <laughs> um, you you hit somebody and their oh, arm flies off. Yeah, so that's exactly it. One of the jokes is if you have your arm lopped off and it doesn't kill you, it just is in the middle of your screen. It's just a flesh wound <laughs> and you start bleeding out. Come here, you um, bastard. I'll bite your ankle off. <laughs> and the best part is with all of this, you can grab the severed limb and beat your opponent to death with it. Oh, so that's amazing. It's, it's quite an experience. Uh, I've had a lot of fun with it. So, you know, be curious to see where, where that goes. But, uh, yeah, I, I, that's that's also been a decent amount of what I've been playing. So awesome. been jumping around a little bit more than I usually do. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to focus on one game because if I do, then I'll play it obsessively and then I'll burn myself out on it and I'll stop before I actually complete the game. I've got a very bad habit of that. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been playing ESO also. Um, just I, I was doing the year one event, which I did want to talk about a little bit. Um, so it, it was, it was okay. I did Mm -hmm. prefer the pan elsewhere event and I think that they should continue with those sort of things. Like if they did like pan Skyrim, you guys could team up with each other and take on the Harrowstorm, you know, Dolmens, things like that. The the problem with this one was there, I mean, with, with pan elsewhere, everybody was teaming up on the dragons and they would kill the dragon within like 30 seconds. So you had to be there very very quickly to be able to yeah that was the one time was a serious factor that was the one issue with that but i the year one event yeah there were world bosses but there were no dolmens in the area that i was in Mm -hmm. i didn't have access to rothgar um because with xbox i haven't bought orsinium i loved orsinium and i love evely sharp era i was so glad when they brought her back for Blackwood, because she was yep. such a great character. And I was sad that she had, was only in Orsinium at that point. So I didn't have Rothgar, because I wasn't playing on PC. So the only places I could go were either Craglorn or Imperial City. And I sure as hell was not going to go to the Imperial City and get my head handed to me by another player constantly. So the only place I could really go was Craglorn. And it was okay. Like, I did all the different world bosses in that area. I'd never spent a lot of time in Craglorn. Um, I did do, uh, what is it, the elemental stones thing in Craglorn? I can't remember what oh, that is. like those big air atronach things? Yeah, yeah, I did yeah, that yeah, with yeah. Um, some Hive Guild members. That was fun. 
Uh, but other than that, I really hadn't spent a lot of time in Craghorn, so I did get to explore it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do think that it wasn't quite as good as the Pan Elsewhere event. Yeah, I guess there's kind of a weird side effect. Um, maybe it's just me, but I, I've been around since not well i i saw beta but i was not super in on the game on beta i a couple of my friends got it i got invited I was like, but i didn't want to you know you know use yeah. that much disk space on my computer <laughs> i mainly just kind of putzed around a little bit on my friends stuff so i had an idea and i'm like eh, this doesn't seem like my thing because i'm not really an mmo player and it was definitely more mmo rpg originally yeah. and it's morphed into what it is now which is kind of like yeah it's an elder scrolls game but with a lot of people and originally it was like play with this is people, a, but you don't have to exactly it's all optional like do you want to group up with friends do you not want to group up with friends do you want to do story do you want to do pvp there's lots of options mm-hmm. when the game started it was this is an mmo and also here's a elder scrolls paint on the top of it and it it felt it didn't really feel like an elder scrolls game for what that's worth so i kind of wasn't super in for a while and then i saw it kind of evolve and i came to console and i was like okay cool i'll mess around with this more and i got super into it i love the game now but one of the side effects is i have a hundred i mean granted i have a bit of a completionist issue but (laughs) i have done everything in craglorn and rothgar and imperial city so many times there's very little for me to do there other than maybe help somebody with a trial or if I want to run VMA to get a weapon drop and you get double, that's that's really it. So I'm like, this isn't really necessarily an event for me, but I think it's really good if you're new. Yeah. I feel like it's a really good new player thing for people who weren't there at the beginning. <laughs> I it can bring them in and you get extra stuff for it. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned this to you before we started recording, but I... I'm not nearly as far along as you, not for the lack of time put into the game, but because I've played it. Restarting is rough. (laughs) Let's see, two different systems and three different platforms. So I've, yeah, restarted quite a bit. And this is the farthest I've gotten along with character progression where I'm like, I think I'm like combat rating 210 or something like that. And this is the first character I've gotten that's actually reached combat point level. Yeah, yeah, to get to your champion ranks yeah, or champion, champion points, points or whatever. Yeah. What yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh I don't remember mine off the top of my head cuz unfortunately even when they raised the ceiling, I was above what was relevant. Uh, I'll see people in the thousands and it's like I, I think I'm 1836 if okay. I I I think. I'm not qu- I'm not to 2000 yet, but beyond a certain point you start running out of even anything to put them in <laughs> again. So, so it's like I buy skills in the tree just for the sake of buying yeah. skills in the tree. Uh-huh. So I, I do make it a point to try and log in every day, at least to do like crafting writs, yep. if nothing else. But I've started doing I totally hear um, that. Dark Brotherhood stuff again. I kind of stopped. I got to a certain point where you have to try and find the black you know, knight or whatever you person is black mage whatever that the girl is and oh who yeah I, all right member already and yes. um i go to the point where you you're trying to find this person named L- 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 lyra I, her name starts with an l 
Yeah, um, I, I, like I stopped doing those when Blackwood came out because you get companions, and the companions really don't like you doing Dark Brotherhood. Nope, so they don't you like definitely want to dismiss. Yeah, you got to dismiss those if you're going to go slitting throats. <laughs> yeah, I found out that uh, I run with Miri, and she doesn't even like you going into the sanctuary. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, I prefer Miri as well. Bastion's too uptight. I, I mean, I, I'm a fan of Denver. What can I say? Not so much yeah, for the sure. uh, slavery part you know, that happened yeah, in no, Maryland, we could, but... Um, yeah, that, look, all the houses have some issues. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but as far as the, um, the uh, Civil War in Skyrim, I tend to be pro-Stormcloaks. And this See, is and I'm Imperial. Interesting. point of contention with uh, people at times. See, I, I just, I'm of the mind that the Empire lost its soul uh, with everything, you know, like, no more Talos. And, like, well, Talos actually is a, a god. And it was proven in everything that happened in Oblivion multiple times. And... The I so even though I am Imperial, uh, when I played through Skyrim, uh, I've done both, but uh, yeah. like my go-to is Imperial. Um, you're not you're not wrong because again with the Dominion and specifically with the Thalmor kind of yeah. stranglehold starting up, they they definitely have more sway over the Emperor uh, or, or over the Empire in general. Mm-hmm. And a, like to your point, a lot of their soul has kind of been removed because they don't have a strong stance for negotiation. Right. When I mean, they lose the White Gold Tower, like to they, credit, they lose the Imperial City. They did try to fight the Thalmor. And they then did. They, like, okay, there's too much bloodshed. We need to stop this. So, okay, yep. fine. And then the Red Guards are like, "Screw you guys! I'm gonna, yeah, you're not keep selling fighting. our region." And then they actually right fought them off and like well see yes you just kept fighting right so. and that's where it gets kind of contentious so i'll be actually you know whenever we if we're all still around <laughs> when elder scrolls 6 launches I'll be very curious to see if it addresses that no, situation it'll, it'll that's be been brewing chalked up to another dragon break or something like that but <laughs> um i mean the, to your point though the first couple of times that i played through I went Imperial because I was coming off of Oblivion. Everything for the Empire. you got to save the Empire from crumbling. And yep. then I found out more about what happened in the last couple of hundred years. I'm like, that old, that crazy bastard in Whiterun's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they definitely lost their backbone. Yeah. Uh, a- after, after the Oblivion crisis and everything, like, it well, became storm- very apparent. The Stormcloaks are racist. I'm like, yeah, but the, they, the Empire they'd suck like they're not the septums anymore they 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 don't have a backbone like you said so but anyway yeah uh, i think i did an entire episode on the great war so uh if you want more information on that go check that out um so yeah i I was doing more dark brotherhood i did do the next quest in the dark brotherhood quest line i'm not really gonna really give any spoilers because there's something big that happens in that uh, quest line um, as far as other stuff, I did finish the scoreboard in Fallout 76. Um, oh, nice. I actually bought the last four levels because I was like, I need scorecation because the grind is real when you're doing the scoreboard it, challenges. Even still, if you got up to 96, good Lord, I think I was like 53 or 63 or something like that. It helps <laughs> that was all I got to. Double score weekends, which this weekend has oh, okay. been a double score weekend. 
So it's like I bought the last four, and now they've got a thing where you can keep earning rewards after you complete the scoreboard, and I'm up to like one of two or three or something like that. So whatever. It's fine. I still have over 800 atoms for when Halloween rolls around. Um, yeah, there you go. But the big thing that I've been playing lately has been Mass Effect 1. So I I know so many people who have just been raving about Mass Effect, and it's something I've never played before. And I, we, I actually know two people who have Mass Effect podcasts. There's, of course, Robots has Mass Effect Lorecast, but there's also Taylor, who... Uh, is in seven lionheart and has a show called element zero podcasts or friend of the show uh, check them out also so yeah i've been playing a lot of mass effect one uh, because kind of like with witcher stuff you do in previous games affects what happens in later games mm-hmm. so if say an npc dies like they may very well appear in a later game but if they get killed or whatever or even companions like there are is a companion you have to choose for one companion or another to die and that affects stuff that could happen in later entries to the series so i'm like okay i need to start at the beginning and like i said um the first three and andromeda are all free on game pass i don't i'm not playing the legendary edition but um yeah i've been having a lot of fun with that i'm almost to the very end i'm on the last planet where the uh, final showdown happens so i should on uh on mass effect one yeah so i should be finishing that up soon i um again i I have (laughs) a contentious day i really love mass effect one um and I was very disappointed with the rest of the series, really? personally. Uh, yes. A lot of people I, say I, two's their favorite. I, yes, and two was actually where I started to jump off the series entirely. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. It's 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 weird. I, I, whatever. It teach their own. Um, I love Mass Effect 1, though. I, I think the world building was great. The combat was clunky, but in a different way than the other games. Yeah, I was um, used to... I've played through Gears of War, so I, was kinda, I didn't have an issue with the combat so much. Yeah, so... One of the things that I will just say, because like I said, Mass Effect 1, I adore that game. Um, Without spoiling it, play out all of your options for the finale in the final boss fight. Holy crap, I have never been more satisfied with a dialogue tree than what you can kind of talk your way in and out of at the end of Mass See, Effect 1. The only One of the problems I have is the dialogue tree. It's like you'll go to choose something to say, and it won't be anything like and it's what similar. the dialogue Yeah, it's is. like, yes. It's, it's yeah. It was the same problem Mass I, I mean, uh, Fallout 4 had, where it's like, no, I didn't mean to be such a douchebag when I said <laughs> yeah, that. I, it's like, much. that's not what I meant. It's yeah, like yeah, you can't yeah. Really it's definitely sarcasm. But, right, yeah, um, it, it, the tone gets lost sometimes from what you think you're choosing. The other thing was, is like on a lot of these side missions, you'll go to a planet and it will be pretty much empty except for like one, like the building that you're supposed to be going yeah. to. Yeah, so, yeah, Mass Effect 1 was definitely a bit aged. <laughs> so yeah, it looked kind of empty um, on a lot of these like side planets. But all in all, I'd have to say I am really enjoying it. Um, I decided to go with Liara um for the the, i guess there was romance in the game so i picked the correct choice yeah Uh, actually correct choice too much of a a xenophobe but i mean i kind of oh yeah 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 it i did choose that's i i it's it's hard anything 
I no, I, I it's funny because I can't really go into my issues with two or three because I don't want to ruin anything for you. It's absolutely best to go into those fresh. But just the characters are so important to the writing and the series and like everything. The direction the game makes you take with them really bothered me okay. in the second and third game. I felt that they became less open-ended each game. And that was just like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I couldn't get past that. Yeah. So that was why it's like, I can get that. Yeah. So that, that's always been my lingering issue with the series. I'm definitely looking forward to playing through it too, though. Cause I know a lot of people that, I oh, know yeah. people who started don't... with that one. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Me saying that I didn't like them, I still played through all three of them. Like, I beat all three of them. It's not like I was like, oh, I'm out. It was just each one I was like, oh, all right. Well, I like the last one more than this. Yeah, and then, I know a lot of people had issues with number three. That's I Three's a ending was... had a lot of issues, especially the ending, yeah. Yeah, the end. On the flip side, one thing that I originally uh, complained a lot about when the game launched was why is why are they wasting their time with multiplayer and mass effect right for the third one and uh turns out i absolutely loved the multiplayer it is a great co-op experience and i was like how is this my favorite part of mass effect 3 right now <laughs> <laughs> like, so i stood very corrected in that regard how does that work like is it a bunch of shepherds or do you pick other people so or? you're basically uh cadets like getting dropped in the field okay and what it it's essentially uh if you've played gears of war have you ever played horde mode I've only played the first one, really. Uh, okay, so it's essentially a horde mode. There are waves of enemies, and you get these objectives for, like, uploading data and surviving and stuff like that. It's not competitive. It's only co-op. So okay. it's you and up to four friends. You know, I think and, I did play uh, that once with a friend. Okay, so it's basically just that in a Mass Effect setting. Okay. Like, and the... I don't know how the legendary edition works because I have not re I have not played the legendary edition but with the original game you could actually increase your readiness to defend against the reapers by doing the multiplayer stuff as well like you could do it side quests in game and it would count but your space readiness would also be okay well you're piloting the squad this squad successfully evac'd all this information it makes your single player file closer to 100% completion. Okay. So, so it was kind of a creative little crossover. That is kind of cool. So things you do in multiplayer do boost your stats in yes. single player. Okay. Yep. That's interesting. And it wasn't required to even 100% the game, but it let you get extra supplies and stuff yeah. so it could make your life easier. I thought it was a neat little crossover, and it was kind of an incentive, like, try this. You don't like it? You don't have to do it. But, like, it's there if you do like it. I figured going through the originals probably would make me appreciate the number one i didn't want to pay 60 bucks yet for a game i've never tried before but um, i figured it would also make me appreciate the changes they do incorporate if i do play the legendary edition oh yeah i'm sure there's a lot of quality of life stuff so yeah uh, jessica star was telling me that they put a lot of effort into especially updating the first one yeah so good i'm glad yeah so i've heard nothing but good things about the legendary edition honestly yeah, yeah same so anyway yeah that's really all i've been playing um aside from you know skyward sword i talked about that in nintendo so i won't really go into that much here so uh yeah let's let's talk hermaeus mora 
So, um, yeah, I'm getting my information, of course, from the UESP wiki. And as with all of these Adra and Daedra, the article starts with a quote. And this is from Hermaeus Mora himself. And he says, I am Hermaeus Mora. I am the guardian of the unseen and the knower of the unknown. I have been watching you, mortal. So is that, that's from Skyrim, I believe, right? That would be from Skyrim, yeah. yeah. So that kind of gives you a sense of uh, what Hermaeus Mora uh, values more than anything, and it's knowledge. So it could, he, he just wants to know as much as he can, and he's willing to get the knowledge through any means necessary, essentially. And that was very apparent in the Dragonborn DLC in Skyrim. Oh, yeah. So, and I want to say that's the first time you see Hermaeus Mora, quote-unquote, in person, if I'm not mistaken. So... Um, what, in... in um, now, you are one of the very few people who've played more entries of Elder Scrolls than I have. You've even <laughs> I, I, taken it upon yourself to play through Battlespire, which I have yeah. never played. I've actually played a little bit of Redguard. I downloaded red guard is file rough uh for red guard and i i played maybe a couple hours of it and then i never went back to it it's not a good game um <laughs> it it adds a lot of cool stuff to the lore yeah. of the world because it takes but place the during game... the second era if i'm mistaken tyber I... septum is still alive because i remember correct talking about yeah and um I mean, I guess spoilers for Redguard and the 11 of us who have played it. <laughs> um, Nafilar from um, The Elder Scrolls Online, who is a pretty important character throughout elsewhere. Um, okay. It's the Red Dragon. Yeah, he actually, yeah. he is actually an enemy in Elder Scrolls Redguard. Yeah, later I remember in the you game. talking about that because you did an episode with Tom where you talked about all the different named dragons. Yes. And, and a lot of them were yeah. from ESO. Yes, and that that would be Nafilar. And it's because he's kind of a mercenary and his objectives aligned with you guys in ESO, not so much in Elder Scrolls Redguard. So it would be interesting to see what Redguard would look like these days because it came out, I think, before Morrowind. It, it did. Um, it actually almost bankrupted Bethesda. Oh, God. Between Battlespire and Redguard, both of them. Didn't. So you guys yeah, complain, the two of those. Oof. You guys all complain about Bethesda bugs these days. <laughs> Try playing Battlespire. So I've watched a little bit of your streams of Battlespire. Uh, and how many times did an enemy fall through the floor and was still able to attack you? <laughs> uh, more than i can count including me doing the same thing and then just falling to my death or being so far out of the map i could, had to reload a save or uh on episode or the fifth level the chimera of desolation where if you save and reload the game more than 30 to 50 times it will corrupt your save file because oh it's God. accidentally processing too many assets uh <laughs> So I was actually, I remember before Skyrim came out, um, I was on this uh, group on Facebook about Elder Scrolls games, and everybody was like, is Elder Scrolls uh, Skyrim going to have multiplayer? Is it going to have multiplayer? I'm like, guys, 
there's a reason why Bethesda doesn't add multiplayer to these Elder Scrolls games. Because there was one that had one, and it's called Battlespire. Mm. Have you heard of it? No, because it sucks. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> one thing, so we're we're trying to actually organize, because scheduling is hard, as we came across when we were even trying to schedule this show. We're trying to get everything ironed out. Scheduling is rough. Yes. Uh, we've been trying to schedule a giant multiplayer game of Battlespire. So we're going to do like a full eight person capture the flag on stream so that there can be like documentation of how bad this <laughs> stuff really is. Oh, man. Um, and the other one, which is another here, here's your trivia. Um, the Elder Scrolls travels shadow key, which is an end gauge game. Yeah. I'm surprised Actu- that you were able to get your hands on that props on that. I, yeah, it, it got help from the community on that one. And then the <laughs> Imperial library has helped been helping me get an, a, a working version that I can basically emulate on my computer because I'll be streaming that so that people can see what shadow key is. Um, if, and when we have another in-person event, um, TES benefactor from the Imperial library also has a physical version of that game wow. and an end gauge. There is a Bluetooth co-op for that game, <laughs> which we're not entirely sure anyone on the planet has ever actually done. Oh wow! But yeah, if we're imagine. both at if we're both at an event, we are going to do it just for science. So, so um, what system was Dawnstar on? I did have the Oblivion mobile game back like, okay. around that time, but I'd never yep. played Dawnstar or Shadow. So. Dawnstar, so Shadow Key was Engage exclusive. Okay. Uh, Dawnstar and Stormhold were the other two travels games, right, along with that right. Oblivion one that you were just talking yeah. about. They are for Java phones. <laughs> and it, it, it was interesting to see because it, it did talk a little bit about the story, and then there's just this small area that you would explore and fight like skeletons and things like that yeah so i i have the emulator script so that i will be streaming those as well uh because my goal here is to stream every one of them so people can if you're ever curious what an old (laughs) elder scrolls game looks like you can go look it up there'll be video evidence of them um and those i have no idea i have no idea what is up with those two (laughs) i have not made it to those yet well, uh, best of luck to you on that. Cause <laughs> I, I can't imagine how painful that would be. But I uh, can't imagine they could be much worse than some <laughs> of the stuff I've played. So, look, the the series has come an amazingly long way yes. to what we love now. And like I said, people complain about Bethesda bugs nowadays. Just watch Ooh. some of uh, Lotus's streams, and if he's playing Battlespire, <laughs> it is entertaining. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I asked you, I believe that Skyrim was the first game that you actually see Hermaeus Mora in person. Is that correct? So actually you, uh, he looks a little different, yeah. but He's... there's a potato version of him that you encounter in, um, <laughs> Elder Scrolls 2 Dra- uh, D- uh, Daggerfall. Okay. See, I've played a That's... little bit of Daggerfall, yep. but I kind of shot myself in the foot with it because I kept trying to rest accidentally in city limits. So, oh, rip. Oh, my God. That's yeah, illegal. So yep, keep, that's it, illegal. <laughs> yeah, it's illegal, so the cops, or cops, guards keep you know chasing you down, and then eventually it'll affect your 
karma standing to the point where shopkeepers won't even want to deal with you. Mm-hmm. But I did do some Fighters Guild stuff, which was interesting. I fought some werebears in uh, some dungeons, things like that. That was interesting. Or it might have been a were-badger. It was either a were-bear or a were-badger. It wasn't a werewolf. So, but yeah, you, you look at these older pictures of Hermaeus Mora, and he kind of looks like a blob with crab claws. Yes. I Yes. He literally is like a blobby potato with just claws like that's really his gimmick originally in Daggerfall and then also when you encounter his shrine in Oblivion yeah I it's think the same... I did his shrine quest in Oblivion I didn't complete all of those that mm-hmm. is one thing I need to check off my list in Oblivion that's like the last thing I need to do rather than uh, you know my other than some random quests you encounter that aren't marked quests but you get to Skyrim, and he, he does change. The first time I saw him in Skyrim, I don't know if you're familiar with like Marvel versus Capcom, but he reminded me of Shu Gorath in Marvel versus uh, Capcom. He's a oh he's a yes I know what you're talking about. I believe about. he's a Doctor Strange villain, so he's actually okay. a Marvel character. But yeah, he's just a tentacle with eyes. Yeah, yep. I mean, you you actually see him. There's a picture in the UESP article, and it's hard to understand just what you're seeing is it's lots yeah. of eyes and lots of tentacles yes and he's covered in billowing mist yeah. um and this is kind of where hermaeus mora is solidified for his new version he's just amorphous there's no like real i mean they're all gender fluid what yeah and they can shape Daedric princes like uh, right but hermaeus mora is human. like all over the place. It's just a. It's basically just not even remotely human in any way. It's just tentacles, smoke, eyeballs, yeah. and this was where he got his iconic voice as well, <laughs> done by uh, you know it, it, it's the, the very slow talking welcome, that welcome. exactly and um I, he does a billion voices, but Wes Johnson does such a good job yes, with Hermes Mora. I, I love it. One of my favorite voice actors. It's. He's phenomenal, and yeah, he, his TikTok. Nobody else should hilarious. ever. Also, look up Wes Johnson yes. on Instagram and TikTok. Yep, <laughs> yep. Um, but Hermaeus Mora also goes by other names um, and you know other you know catch lines. So he's known as Hormo- Hormius. Uh, Hor- I think it's Hormius. Horm- I've never heard them say Hormia- some of these uh, yeah, in different spellings. Uh, Hermamora, which they talked about in Oblivion, uh, the Demon of Knowledge, the Master of ti- the Tides of Fate, Gardener of Men, which is very ominous, the Prince of Fate and Lord of Secrets, the Keeper of Forbidden Knowledge, the Golden Eye. Sounds like a James Bond movie. Ur Daedra, the Abyssal Cephalarch, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah, old, yeah, I think it's a Cephalarch. Old Antecedent, the Scryer, Inevitable Knower, the Lord of Knowledge, and also to the Atmorans and Bosmer, uh, the Woodland Man. Yeah, and to the Adrids, uh, Hyrmamora. That's hard to say. And then to the Khajiit, he's known as Hermora. So. Lots of different variations and um, descriptions of Hermes Mora, but it all kind of brings about the same, um, you know, thing. You know, he he cares about knowledge 
he wants to know as much as he can and he's willing to do whatever he can to get that knowledge so and we'll we'll talk more about uh his plane of oblivion which you actually get to explore in skyrim which is really cool um and then some of his artifacts but um the article here talks about um the different you know all these different you know creation myths things like that they all these different um pantheons they kind of have different takes on uh, daedra and adra basically to suit their own beliefs so the bosmer know him as hermamora and he's a malicious trickster spirit um, one of many apparently and the woodland man uh, commands a large number of devotees but the mora cultists in valenwood 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 i've never known how to pronounce that properly um, they, I always just say Valen Wood, but I, I again, I'm, <laughs> with, with everything being perspective based, you get some variation. Well, it's funny because you hear NPCs in Oblivion pronounce Daedra two different ways, also, and you'll hear uh, NPCs comment on that Daedra or Deidre. Like uh, I thought it was Daedra, but okay. Um, but there is a group of. Uh, Bosmeri cultists in the second era known as the Wooded Wooded Eye and mm-hmm. uh, they served as guardians of the Cradle of Imaris I think you pronounce that it's a library yep. of secret knowledge and then um, the Nords also know him as uh, Hermamora I guess that comes from ancient Admora uh, they held true to their, their beliefs from Admora and they also called him the Woodland Man but um, with the unlike the Bosmer, they acknowledge his Daedric heritage. So a, apparently, according to the Bosmer, they don't really see Hermaeus Mora as a Daedra, which is kind of interesting. But you you do deal with um, the uh, Hermaeus Mora, um, Hermamora cultist. That's not my dog that's barking. I don't know where that's coming from. Sorry about <laughs> that. Um, I'm surprised my dog hasn't barked, to be completely honest. Um, you do see, what is it, the Scald? Uh, know him as Hermamora, and you, yes. you definitely deal with him there. So the Khajiit know him as Hermamora, uh, one word, and he's also known as the Watcher in the Spirit of Tides and the Tide King. But they also they know him as the Keeper of Knowledge of Others. And he was born to the second litter of Fatime, which is the Khajiiti version of Padme, which I've mentioned on the show before. Um, was it uh, Padme? Yeah, Padme is one of, part of the creation myth with the Elder Scrolls. Oh, with Anu? Yeah. Anu and Padme, yeah. Yep. So um, Azura is a frequent visitor to Hermaeus Mora's uh, realm of oblivion apparently in the Khajiiti pantheon which is kind of interesting uh, so um, you do let, let's talk about um, what Hermaeus Mora has actually done throughout the history of Tamriel so I didn't realize I, I guess I just haven't encountered him in ESO but he does make an appearance in ESO yeah he's there a couple times but it's a he's not one of the prominent 
Daedric figures that you run no, into. I've encountered yet. pretty much every other Daedric prince in person, but not Hermaeus Mora, I, oddly enough. Ironically, one of the interactions is in Craglorn. Yeah, I'm so. reading this right here. So yeah. in Craglorn, they assisted the former stargazer into reaching Hermaeus Mora's shrine deep within the Seeker's archive. Yep. And Hermaeus Mora offers them knowledge of the Celestials in exchange for hidden knowledge. So, and then the Vestige, which is your character in ESO, also assists Hermes Mora in restoring order to his temple at the Rootwood Grove. Um, is, what is that in Valenwood? Yeah, it's in Valenwood. Yep. So, in exchange it's another for side quest. of the Veiled Inheritance. I've done a little bit in Valenwood. Grotwood is one of my favorite places to explore. I just, I love the, the giant trees that you can actually walk through in Grotwood. So in Valenwood, you actually uh, encounter the blobby smoke version with the eyeballs that we okay. were referring to. You'll actually encounter them. When you go to the Seeker's Archive, which is, I, I guess, I mean, it's going to be kind of too late to matter. But for the original year one celebration, one of the repeatable quests you could do for your event ticket was the Seeker's Archive mission. Oh, damn. And I should have done that. It is, I didn't realize that was there. <laughs> It, yes, it is repeatable that you can do once a day, and it's a it's essentially a it's this weird offshoot. It's not a public dungeon. It's not a delve. It's an instanced four player max public dungeon. Okay. It's it's kind of unique, um, and yeah, you you basically break in and go through it, and your interaction with Mora is actually via his statue, not him himself. Okay. Um, so he'll talk to you, but it's 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 not just he doesn't float in. You're you're exposed <laughs> exposed to him through that way. Yeah, so you don't yeah, see it's, him a, it's a little different. Sky. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Man, I wish I would have known about that beforehand. But I guess I should have. It's a good quest. This article more in depth. I really want the. Uh, I, it, it's one of the. Uh, I'm not the greatest housing mancer, but I do like housing in ESO. I really want the statue from inside the Seeker's Archive. It's not one of the things they've ever sold yet. They could probably sell a smaller version. It's enormous. But it's just this really, really... It, it, where we had mentioned the potato statue mm -hmm. from Oblivion, this is their interpretation of his tentacle version in a statue. Okay. Uh, and it's mounted on the back wall. And the tentacles come down the steps to make the way up. It's actually really cool. Yeah, that, that sounds interesting. I'm going to have to seek that out now, now that yep. I know about it. Because that's, that's kind of what I did with the Kothringi. I was so yes. fascinated with the fact that the Kothringi are actually in ESO, and I never mm -hmm. encountered them, that I actually sought them out. Yep. That's one thing I see for a lore junkie like me. That's one of the things I love about ESO. Since it takes place in the second era, there are multiple races that are extinct by the time of the mainline games that are just running around like the power uh, the sorry not power i don't know where i was getting that the maromer the, the maromer yeah they're much more common yeah they're one of the um, first things you encounter uh, the Cothrini. this is a while back because i haven't played through the story line. that's in shadowfen when you encounter them right yes yeah there's okay. a little village that's, of them and they're yep you find out that they're undead. I always yeah wondered, the skeletal plague. Okay, yeah, yeah I yeah. always wondered where people got the costume where they're just running around as a skeleton, and now I am too. Huh. So spoilers <laughs> for that quest for anybody who hasn't played that, but it's kind of a, a minor side quest to be completely honest. 
but it's still really cool to because you see them with skin at first in your comment and they're like oh that's interesting colored skin you know i've never seen skin like that and she's like my what oh oh uh yeah it's because we're kothrini oh okay but then you find out later she's like wait she was probably thinking what skin right (laughs) so yeah that that is uh hermaeus mora's actions in the second era in the third era 405 which i'm guessing is daggerfall right or no, that'd be before Daggerfall, right? Uh, third Era would be... Third Era 405. Yeah, you'd be in you'd be in the Daggerfall and... Uh, I think 427 is Daggerfall, Obliv- so this might be Arena. It, so it's a little... Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're in the numbered Elder Scrolls games, I guess would yeah. be the way to put it. You're right, so, yeah. So an Agent of the Blades uh, summons Hermaeus Mora in the Iliac Bay region. Which that would be that would be Daggerfall, right? Or no, that that could be Arena. Arena because Arena takes place in all of the. Uh, yeah, provinces. yeah, <laughs> it's basically any of the original ones. Yeah. Uh, since they kind of do flow into each other much more directly than you know, time periods started to stretch out between some of the later games. They're a lot more closely knit in the originals. So, but anyway, the the agent uh, of the blades assassinates a scrofulous. That's an interesting word. Uh, patrician. This is in quotes, so it must state this in the game. Who had displeased the prince and received the Agma Infinium in return? So next up, they talk about the uh, events in Oblivion. So I don't that. That's weird because you mentioned that you see him in person in Daggerfall. Yeah, there's a there's a quest. Actually, one of the things you can do there's uh, if you scroll down, there's even an animated gift of him. You know what? Uh, I gift apologize. Of him. Uh, 427 is the date of Marwind. Oh, so. that's why. I would, yeah, see, it's also close at that point. Yeah. It throws me off. So yeah. okay, Six that year makes sense. Difference. Then. Yeah, right, exactly. So, okay, so that that does make sense then. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so that has to be Daggerfall then. So, okay, so the champion of Cyrodiil traveled to Mora's Shrine in the Gerald Mountains of Cyrodiil in 3rd Era 433, so of course Oblivion. Mora explained that his followers needed a soul from each of the ten major races of Tamriel for a division ritual. That sounds a lot like Skyrim, but... Mm-hmm. Well, that, it's well, specifically it's... elves in Skyrim. So yeah, in return, and, and some of the quests are so, a little overlapped. So to do this, you actually have to soul trap uh, these race, different members of these different races. So in return for collecting these souls, the champion was also given the Agma and Frenium. So I've mentioned, I think I mentioned this in Clavicus Vile's episode. So these Daedric princes, yes, they will grant you these artifacts but in the end they're still really in possession of the daedric prince themselves and they can just take it whenever they want so martin septum i don't know if you heard him say this but he actually if you offer him uh i can't remember it was it it was either sanguine's rose or wabajack i it's sanguine's rose i know exactly what you're talking about because he was part of this cult of sanguine yeah he mentions that he actually had sanguine's rose at one point Yes. So, but yep. obviously, it, what it must not have been for very long because you end up getting it at one point. So, which I'll I'll talk about that in the Sanguine episode. So, 
with Skyrim, you deal with Hermaeus Mora a lot. Yeah, major so character. Not only is you know there a shrine dedicated to him that you actually deal with in a couple of different ways. Of course, you deal with them a lot in the Dragonborn DLC. So you actually travel to his realm of oblivion, Apocrypha, which I thought was really cool because at that point, the only other Daedric realm that I'd been to was, well, two, actually. There was, of course, the Deadlands and yep. you know, the Shivering Isles, mm-hmm. which, of course, are completely different. And this is completely different compared to those. So it's a lot of green lava, a lot of tentacles. I I love that the darkness basically just represent the ink on the pages and all of the like platforms are made from the pages of the tomes of knowledge. It's just so unique looking. And you can actually use the books to travel a little bit too, which is really cool. But um, so in the last Dragonborn or in fourth era two in the last Dragonborn, which of course is your character in Skyrim encounters Hermaeus Mora. And there's a, a quest called the, uh, College of Winterhold, or uh, sorry, a quest for the College of Winterhold that le- leads you to this crazy guy named Septimus Cygnus. So he was actually a former mage of the college who went nuts um, after reading an Elder Scroll, which is interesting because usually it just makes you go blind, not crazy. Yeah, it makes me wonder if he just kept reading up until, uh, like, blindness starts to set in it's like no i'm just dedicated to this keeps reading just gets the crazy factor that most people don't get to or something i didn't think septimus was blind i thought he i thought he could yeah i was gonna say i think because he knows you're there so i'm like wondering if he he's uh, like as he was like reading through it i'm wondering if he started to just lose his sanity as a as a side effect (laughs) as opposed along with it yeah as opposed to going blind like i've never really known what the reason is for that either so it is kind of interesting so Septimus is obsessed with learning the secrets of the Dwemer. And so, of course, the, like what he wants you to do is get the blood of a Dwemer, which is impossible at this point because the Dwemer have been gone since uh, the battle for Red Mountain back in the, was it the second era, early second era, or is that late uh, first era? Yeah, where's Arimithius when you need him? Yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the living fact checker. It's great. Uh, yeah, no, it was before Second Era, I believe. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah so I, father, father, father back from that. Yeah, I did an episode on Dragon Breaks. I should remember this stuff. But so, but to do this, you can kind of imitate uh, Dwemer blood by getting blood from all the other Elven races, which is interesting because they acknowledge the fact that orcs are a race of elves which isn't really commonly acknowledged in the elder scrolls world so what he's trying to do is unlock this box of knowledge which is owned by hermaeus mora and ultimately he's just like wait it's it's a book what's our book doing in here and uh yeah hermaeus mora is basically like okay well he's not useful anymore let's kill him Yep. So also for the sake of uh, just clarity, because 
so that way you don't get messages selling you what the actual thing is. I'll save everybody the trouble. It was first era 700. That okay. I, so I looked it up to double check, so I was like, "Really it's, early first era." Actually. Yeah, I was like, "It's it's it's before second. I was like, "It was a ways back, but that we've not had Dwemer." It, so I just wanted to double check the exact date for everybody. It's funny going back to uh, the QuakeCon trivia thing. One of the questions was, "How many years were there, or, or what was the last year in the first era?" Yes, and it was so funny. I said 290, and I'm like, wait, I forgot a digit. You were close, <laughs> like, yeah, because it's actually the title of a book. Um, yeah, 2920 yeah. is what it actually is. It, it's amazing how much you actually realize when you're not being quizzed on yeah. in front of a no, I, I completely ton of people. On the spot, it's hard to remember yeah, when you're, we, we were both joking about that going into the <laughs> uh, thing. We're like, so being live in front of like thousands of people doing a trivia thing, they're like, we're both going to look real dumb because we're just going to forget stuff normally that right. we would know, know. And it's like, that was one of the ones. It's like, nope, I had three of the digits, but I forgot that it was 29, 20. <laughs> like, yeah, it, whoops. It, it's crazy because, like I said, I've I've done an episode on Dragon Breaks. And then I also talked about the battle at Red Mountain during the uh, two-part Denver episode. Because that mm-hmm. also was when the Dunmer changed into the Keimer, or shortly after that. I don't think it was right then. I think it was a little bit after that. But it had a lot to do with what happened there. So, yeah, that that basically um, was Hermaeus Mora's Daedric Shrine quest in mm-hmm. uh, Skyrim. But then, of course, you also deal with him a lot in uh, the Dragonborn DLC, which we've talked about, but... As I mentioned, Hermaeus Mora is obsessed with gaining knowledge, with having and possessing knowledge and gaining new knowledge. And it's interesting. This is something I kind of wanted to talk to you about a little bit because a lot of people kind of think of Daedra as gods, like Daedric princes as gods, for the lack of a better right. phrase. And yet you can hide knowledge from from Hermaeus Mora. I, how exactly would that be possible? So, right, and that's that's the thing, is all of these Daedric princes kind of have, like, their limitations, mm-hmm. and there's different degrees of power that they have. And the thing that I think is cool about Hermaeus Moritz, like, one of my things that I like so much about him is, like, okay, he essentially has, you know, in, immense knowledge of all these different things, but there's this obsessive desire to have all knowledge forbidden knowledge knowledge that's just so there's constantly a search and there's actually a quest in blackwood um where you kind of tangentially experience a more quest and it's his seeker uh or his little like creation is out looking i do remember that yeah yes and there's always it's kind of funny with the tentacle analogy there's always tentacles being thrown out to try to acquire more of it you actually watch and it happen and yes it, exactly so there's so much in the world and the other thing that there always is is as things keep unfolding there's more knowledge that's being brought into creation so his search theoretically is unending because there's, unless everything stops there's always more to acquire right the weird thing about Hermaeus Mora, um, and actually, let's see if I can find a quote, too. The the scrying of the, uh, the exact quote, it's like one of my favorite, like, descriptions. 
scrying the tides of fate i always thought was like a really cool way of putting it's like he can see all these different threads to everything based on his knowledge but it doesn't mean he knows literally everything i can't imagine many things will have just outright more total knowledge than he ever would but at the same time there's always more being acquired the other thing that's weird about that and he's considered one of the Ur-Daedra is one of the oldest Daedra um, because one of the references um, I believe it was Michael Kirkbride from the forums when he was still there I don't have the exact date of the forum post thing if that's but either way uh, just a reference point to it if you want to like check it exactly later anybody um, is that Hermaeus Mora's kind of non-corporeal form is because he's the scraps of existence from previous Kalpas. Interesting. So, theoretically, and that's, you know, summarized, obviously, but um, it's just cool as a concept that Hermaeus Mora is basically just this amorphous creature that is stitched together of just everything that exists to make Hermaeus Mora, and at the same time, that's also what keeps him going as like a creature because even if you look at the Ogma Infinium which we don't have video for this but I can show it to you I have a little Ogma Infinium that's it's a, a yeah notebook. I just saw a picture of that in the article that's yeah, awesome I, I I have one and it's great for keeping notes um, so basically but, it looks like a book that's stitched together by a bunch of different pieces so for those yes, of you who are curious and if you look closely at it which is kind of gross <laughs> it actually looks like the skin of the different races interesting yeah so which is nasty don't know, but also kelpa uh, I, I haven't really talked about kelpas on this show so they okay talk yeah maybe give a, a background a little bit in skyrim so the world, like the you know, from the Merithic era to you know, or the Dawn era to now, that's just one Kelpa. So the world is constantly ending and restarting, for the lack of a better phrase, and that is kind of what a Kelpa is. It's like another yeah. uh, you know point of existence, basically. Like like I said, right. Arimithius would probably get into this a lot. In a lot, yeah. Written detail. on uncertainty has a great. Uh, episode on Kalpas. Uh. Yeah, but that that's basically what it is. And kind of like I said, uh, they kind of talk a little bit about it in Skyrim with the dragons, with the whole thing with Alduin. Alduin basically will devour the world, and then the world would be reborn into a new Kelpa. Yes. So. There's questions, actually, since the series has not progressed past... Well, it has not progressed substantially past... Skyrim, as of yet, we don't really know where Blades takes place, yeah. as far as I know. But but for the most part, the story has not substantially progressed too far forward in canon of any type. So the thing is, we're not entirely sure if we didn't screw up the Kelpic right. cycle by actually yeah. defeating Alduin yet. That, like, yeah, I remember we that might not have question. saved things as much as we thought we did. I remember that question being posed on the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, because I, I just right. remember... I mean, it very well could be. Um, I mean, because that's kind of what Alduin's purpose is. And yes, yeah. So, um, but yeah, that that's kind of like I like we mentioned. You actually see uh, Hermaeus Mora acquire forbidden knowledge from the chief of the Scald. Um, he held information 
in it like he it wasn't written here like he held it in his brain and um basically he got skewered with a bunch of Hermes Morris tentacles <laughs> but it's interesting that he had to agree to that first right or yep uh well yes we, so it was kind of like a he wouldn't have been found without the intervention of him allowing it and then as soon as Mora got any type of in, it was like, okay, well, now I'm here, yoink. You're dead. As opposed to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, ooh, gimme. So, um, but yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about the artifacts. So we mentioned the Augment and Finium, and I'm seeing what you mean about it looking like different pieces of skin stitched together. One of the pieces toward the top of the book actually looks like it has a scar that's mm-hmm. stitched up. So, um so the Augment Infinium is known as the Tome of Power, the Librum of Knowledge, and the Book that Knows. So it's an ancient Tome of Knowledge and an artifact of greater power. And it's written by Xerxes, um, the scribe of Ariel, which is another name for Akatosh. And it's been granted the knowledge written by Hermaeus Mora. So the name of the Tome comes from Ogma, who is the wife of Xerxes, whom he created from his favorite moments in history. How, okay. That that <laughs> is interesting right there. So yep. it actually gets metaphysical yeah. and weird. <laughs> so the knowledge within the tome grants the reader access to the artifact's energy, which can be, be manipulated, easy for me to say, to achieve near demigod abilities. So there's the Path of Steel, which gives you your warrior abilities a boost. The Shadow and Spirit, which gives your rogue abilities a boost. And then, um, so, the, sorry, the Path of Steel, Path of Shadow, and Path of Spirit. So, basically, it increases your abilities, your warrior abilities, your rogue abilities, or your mage abilities. Right. And once you use the book, it disappears. So, it goes back to Hermes Mora. So in here, it also talks about the Black Books, which you really deal with in the Dragonborn DLC. So mm-hmm. they're Daedric artifacts, of course, created by Hermaeus Mora. So I, I mentioned this in a previous episode. These books, um, it talks about this in Oblivion too, where these artifacts created by the Daedric princes contain their blood. Also, so they literally are, in a way, a part of the Daedric Prince themselves. So I would imagine the Black Books are also. Um, so the Daedric, so he cre- each each of these books. Sorry, I'm skipping ahead here. Each book contains some matter of forbidden knowledge. So some of these books are from the ancient past, and some are actually from the future which is also kind of mind-blowing to think about. (laughs) So, of course, you know, as the name suggests, the books are black in color with a symbol representing Mora on the front, and they admit his black mist that you usually see that accompanies him. They are comparable to the Ogman and Finium, where they contain tomes of knowledge, and these books are spread throughout Tamriel, and they're usually located within the depths of ancient dungeons. So you read the book. That's actually how you travel to Apocrypha, is you find this book somewhere in Skyrim or on uh, Solstheim, I would imagine. And it takes you to 
part, uh, you know, certain section of Apocrypha, which yep. I guess we can go ahead and talk about here. Yeah, they're kind of intertwined. So we, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Apocrypha, a lot of like green colored lava, essentially, a lot of tentacles and lots and lots and lots of books. And it's also yes. inhabited by seekers and lurkers. And it looks like there's also will o' the wisps, which or, I'm sorry, wisp lanterns float around. Sorry, I, yeah, I thought it said will o' the wisps, yeah. but, but you don't see <laughs> will o' the wisps in Skyrim. You see them in Oblivion, and they're pain right. in the ass. They sure are. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense that the Dater Lord of you know knowledge, all encompassing knowledge, would have you know huge libraries in his realm of Oblivion. So, but I, I mean, I think it's, like I said, it's really cool to just kind of walk around there. Of course, you're looking over your shoulder and making sure you're not getting attacked by a bunch of the lurkers and seekers. Yeah, the seekers and the lurkers are, are rough enemies to fight. It's a really unique looking realm, though. It's very, um, uh, oh, yeah, what's the, what's the Cthulhu writer there? Oh, I, I'm oh. not sure. I know what you're talking yeah, it, about. Yeah, it's very, very, yeah, very dark, very demonic and stuff. But also, you gotta when you're crossing. H.P. Lovecraft. Sorry, that's, that's what it is. Yes, Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah, um, which you also kind of he's kind of referenced throughout, you know, Oop, the Fallout no, fandom also. <laughs> but. Um, also, when you're walking through these, like I mentioned tentacles, there are times when you're crossing over, you know, a bridge over this lava, and a tentacle will kind of reach out and whip you. So you kind of uh, got to be careful when you're walking around. But still, uh, it is really cool. It's completely unique compared to other realms of oblivion that you encounter. But... Um, yeah, so if you haven't uh, picked up the... If you've never played Skyrim, definitely be on the lookout for the 10th anniversary edition of Skyrim. Because, uh, as we mentioned, it all, if you get the upgrade for it, it'll also uh, include a bunch of the Creation Club uh, content. Which, if you're not familiar with the Creation Club, it's basically a lot of mods that are made by Bethesda themselves. Well, most of them, anyway. So, yeah, that um, that really is it as far as Hermes Moret. So, um, yeah, that... Um, it, it, you do encounter them quite a bit, it, especially. It is nice that, in a way, the Dragonborn DLC is the Hermaeus Mora's version. It, it the the uh, Dragonborn DLC is kind of a Hermaeus Mora dedicated DLC, kind of like how Shivering Isles was. Uh, Chigorath dedica- dedicated DLC, although you don't spend the entirety of the DLC in Apocrypha, you do spend quite a bit of time in it. Um, I should also mention that in the Dragonborn DLC, your main antagonist isn't Hermes Mora, it's Mirak. And Mirak actually got his abilities from Hermes Mora. 
so he actually taught him quite a bit about his abilities and how to use them. So um, let me scroll up here. So it says here that he learned his Mirak learned his secret powers from Hermes Mora in exchange for the life for a life of servitude in Apocrypha. So uh, based on that, after you spoilers kill Mirak, he doesn't go to Sovereign Guard or you know any other you know plane. He actually <laughs> spends eternity in apocrypha after you kill him so i so i don't know if you can actually visit apocrypha after you finish the dlc but kind of like how in i wonder if if you do if you do find a way to visit apocrypha after you finish the dlc would you encounter mirak because if you visit if you wait to finish the main quest in Skyrim until toward until you complete a lot of the other Sky, uh, Skyrim storylines like the Civil War or you know, the Companions, characters who die in the game, you might very well encounter them in Sovngarde, like Codlike White Mane or the... Um, I'm blanking on her name. What is the... Uh, what... You, you've you've spent more time in with the Imperials than I have. What is um, Tullius's assistant's name or his lieutenant? Oh, um, shoot! I love that character yeah, too. Yeah, you actually encounter her in Sovngarde. So I was uh, kind of speculating about how uh, Mirak got his powers uh, by creating by making a deal with Hermes Mora. And so he is, uh, basically he's, you know, he has to spend eternity after he dies in, in Apocrypha. So I'm wondering if there's a way to get to Apocrypha after you finish everything and kill Mirak, if you would actually encounter him. But I don't know if that's, that's possible. A, that's interesting. Not that I've ever done, but that's interesting. I never considered that. Huh. So yeah, it says here that uh, Mirak learned his powers from Hermaeus Mora in exchange for a life of servitude in Apocrypha. So yeah, I don't know if there's a console command where you can go back and you would actually right. His, but yeah, if if you wait to finish the main story in Skyrim until you complete a lot of other stories, you can actually encounter a lot of people in Sovereign Guard, like um, Tullius's uh, lieutenant and Codlike White Mane. You can find the second in command. Is Ricka? Ricka, yeah. That I, I was like, this is going to drive me nuts because I love this character and I cannot think of her yeah, name. Somebody, I can't remember yes. who. Somebody actually talks about how uh, she's actually a secret Talus worshiper. <laughs> so you, if you, you know, actually side with the Stormcloaks and she ends up getting killed, you encounter her in Sovereign Guard, and then of course you can find Ysgrimore and um, the like the the, the one eyed. Um, uh, High King, God, what's his name? Um, the one who, um, well, there's uh, Olaf One Eye. You actually encounter him in Sovngarde also, but then also the High King who got killed by um, Ulfric Stormcloak. You can encounter him also. So, like for a lore junkie like me, it's really cool just running around and seeing all these characters that really you mainly just read about. I don't think Tiber Septim is in Sovngarde. 
but that's probably because he ascended. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. That that's really all the notes I've got. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to bring up. No, that was actually that was really good because I like that we ought to tag some of the little off tangents while we were yeah. going too. So we we don't even need to like have a catch up. That was that was like I feel like we did a good overview of Hermaeus Moore yeah. and a lot of his cooler points or unique bits. Well, it's nice to have somebody else to bounce things off of rather than just well for sure talking into a mic for an hour <laughs> or forty five minutes, half an hour, whatever it ends up being. So um, yeah, it, it was great having you on. Where can people find you? If they so um, so I am pretty easy to find. I'm Lotus of Doom on Twitter, Twitch, Discord, like in game. Uh, I just kind of have one universal branding. Um, and then each week, barring scheduling conflicts, I get to uh, guest host as um, one of the co-hosts of both Tales of Tamriel and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, kind of very different types of shows. Uh, Elder Scrolls Lorecast, more like this, with kind of more of a structure, with having a topic and you cover it. Uh, Similar setup to exactly what we did, actually, where we just bounce bits off each other. And then uh, (laughs) Tales of Tamriel is a roundtable discussion, kind of just covering any and all uh, Elder Scrolls news. Um, There's more of us. And um, as a as a result, it uh, runs a little long, but uh, pe- people like it. We tried to condense it years ago, and people like having the longer format show. And uh, it focuses either on our tales in game or the news. Uh, so yeah, th- those are kind of my things. Um, don't have the exact schedule, but pretty soon I've got a big charity event coming up for Extra Life, which will be on my Twitch channel and. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, been an exciting year, uh, kind of having things get back to normal and a lot of good stuff in the Elder Scrolls series so yeah, far. So. Yeah, so it'll it'll be interesting to see what the next big event is after the Gates of Oblivion. So For hopefully sure. we'll get more Hermaeus Mora in. Uh, yeah, so, because like I said, it's really cool how you can encounter pretty much all of the Daedric Princes, not only encounter them in person, but you get to visit pretty much all of their realms. Um, I'm still waiting to see what the... Um, was it the Evergloom? Uh, oh yes, Evergloom. Azura's. Oh realm? yeah, Azura's. Uh, what is her? Hers is so Dawn beautiful. It like Something with Dawn, Dawn and, and Dusk. Yeah. yeah, it like blinds you Evergloom because it's so beautiful. Um, Evergloom is uh, nocturnal. Yeah, which you do get to go to in a couple of different. I was. I, I like Evergloom. I also wish they would do uh, the Spiral Skyn again. Yeah, you do get or to Skane. see that a Sorry. little bit. That's Mephalas, correct? Yes, yeah, it is, and I would like a couple of times. I, you do, and I'd love to see more of it because the little bits you see in ESO are really cool. So I'd love to see more of it fleshed out. I'm not a fan of spiders, but they're not my favorite thing. <laughs> so um, that, <laughs> they're not alone with a lot was, of people in that uh, one. A little. It was cool seeing nocturnals, um, and then you get to see Clavicus <clears throat> vials, which I mentioned in the last episode. You get to oh, see, the fields of regret. Yeah, yeah, very cool stuff. Which that, I mean, for the lack of a better phrase, looked kind of normal it <laughs> compared really, to the rest of it, them. It, it really does, and it does look very normal when you uh, encounter it in Elder Scrolls Redguard as well toward the end of the nice. game. Yeah. yeah. I Like I said, I only played like an hour or two of Redguard, and then that was I never went back to it. That's pretty deep <laughs> in from what I remember. So, yeah, I remember having a couple of conversations, and then I had to hop off, and I just never played again, and... That was with an old computer. I never did find that file again. 
So, anyway, um, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely check those out. Like I said, I think it was when you guessed it on the Elder Scrolls Warcast was the first time I'd heard you. So, um, yeah, definitely. And like you mentioned, Tales of Tamriel is a different style, which it's kind of cool to see, uh, you know, conversations in different styles. Because yeah, a lot of people sure. will check these shows out and then just think that you're one way. Like, you know, Tom doesn't have much of a sense of humor. Or something like that. Or Aramithius <laughs> wouldn't have a sense of humor because he just mainly talks about really deep stuff. But um, it's kind of cool to see different sides of... Yeah, everybody. when they're in a different setting, yeah. you get a different side of things. Yep. And people might think of that with me, too, because I'm not used to having other people on the show and joking around and things like that. <laughs> For sure. Um, but if you would like to find more of me, I also have two other shows. I have Nintendo, which I just put out an episode on the DS era of The Legend of Zelda. I'm doing kind of a, a, a walkthrough of the Legend of Zelda series right now. And then there's Tapes of the Waste where we talk about Fallout lore. And we just put out an episode last week uh, where we broke down the Steel Rain part of the Brotherhood story in uh, oh, Fallout cool. 76. So, and then, of course, I occasionally stream on Twitch when I have the time. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Sulior. Um, I have a TikTok, but I rarely use it. Um, you can also find my personal Instagram and Twitter accounts at iangold08. And um, the shows, like I said, um, they all have their own Twitters and Instagrams. I'm sure you can you search for them. You can find them. And uh, if you want to email me, it is tamrielicadventurespodcast at gmail.com. I don't mention that very much because I never receive email. Uh, but it is what it is. And if you'd like to help the show, of course, leave a rating and review on Instagram, or not Instagram, uh, iTunes. Uh, they both start with an I. Um, I always forget to mention that, but it really does help the show get uh, bigger, more eyes on the show, which is always a good thing. So anyway, that is it. And next up, we will, if we're going alphabetically, we will be talking about here scene. So definitely be on the look, on, look for that. I apparently lost the ability to speak well it's been a longer show than you're used to anyways (laughs) a little bit yeah and your your mouth kind of starts hurting after a while sure does so anyway as always stay safe adventurers and hit stop and